Good morning, Redemption. How y'all doing? Man, we got a full house today. I'm excited to see all of you here. And uh, I want to start by asking a question. How many of you grew up watching Animal Planet? Or how many of you had kids who grew up watching Animal Planet? We got a couple of y'all in here. That was me. I was all about Animal Planet. And uh, I mean, like Steve Irwin, international treasure to your boy. Crikey. Like that guy was good at his job. And I realized from an early age that I was just really into nature and I was really into and fascinated with the animal kingdom. I mean, Lion King was my favorite movie. Not the new one, the old one. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The king has returned. I loved Lion King, and I just realized from an early age that there's something to this whole nature thing. And I also realized that there seems to be this cycle in life, a life cycle in nature. And it, it goes through where you're born, you live, you reproduce, and then you pass away. And it seemed to just do that over and over and over again, almost like the circle of life. That was another, do y'all not like Lion King? Am I the only one? I thought this was hilarious. Just me, okay, let's, I'm about to start singing Lion King songs and show you what I'm really about. So just like there seems to be a, a life cycle to nature, there is also a life cycle to the supernatural in the Christian's life. And so that's what I wanna talk to you guys about today. That in week one, we talked about being created for community. And that whenever you come to know Jesus and you become a follower of Jesus, that you're actually born again. And so we see a birth, a new life. And then the second week, we talked about um, being designed for discipleship, which is kind of like the living part of life, where you're learning how to live the way God intended in the direction that God has for you. And this week, to close out the sermon series, just like in nature... The whole goal kind of seems to be, or the purpose of living is always pointing towards reproducing. Uh, and, and that has to do with creating something that's going to outlast you, right? So creating something that, that is bigger than you. And so this is the same thing with the Christians in what they're called to do, to reproduce as well in a spiritual way, to reproduce something that is worthwhile. And so this series is called Made for This. You were created for community. You were designed for discipleship. And you were made for multiplication. That's the title of the sermon today, Made for Multiplication. And I've shared a couple of stories with you guys on stage about my own life, um, but maybe not one that's as near and dear to my heart as this one. So basically, um, if you don't know, I pretty much grew up in church. I grew up with a Christian family, with Christian parents who discipled me, as parents are called to do. And um, so I kind of grew up in church. But when I turned 17, things kind of shifted for me because that was the first time in my life that I had really made a decision and said, hey, Jesus is not my Lord and Savior because he was my parents' Lord and Savior. He's mine because he's mine, right? He's my Lord and Savior. And it doesn't have anything to do with my parents. That's between me and Jesus. So I found myself in this spot where I was just like 
on fire for Jesus. And you could, you could have considered me a brand new disciple in the way of I just like was fired up all the time, but I didn't really have direction. And I went to this church um, around that time from about 17 to 23, somewhere in there. And, um, and so I was like experiencing like this new life that I found in Jesus, but I didn't have a whole lot of direction. And so I remember looking out into my church every Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, because I was there at everything and I was trying to meet everybody. And I remember just thinking to myself, whenever I go talk to people, man, like, like, I wish this family would invite me out to dinner. I wish this, cu- this married couple would invite me out to dinner. I wish this individual would invite me out to dinner. Why? Because they were more mature in their faith, and they were further along in their faith than I was, and I didn't really know how it was supposed to look. And so I needed something like that, and I had this desire in me to experience something like that. And, and from about 18 to 19, that was the hardest year of my entire life. And so I had this newfound life in Jesus, but at the same time, I felt so alone. And so I I remember like they would preach all the time about deeper relationship and about, you know, like living life together or doing life together. But then for myself, I was not experiencing that. And like I said, I just felt really alone. And so I left and I went to another church and I went there for about a year. And then I decided to come back. And whenever I came back, things were a little bit different this time because I met a man named Jared Faree. And Jared did something that I had been wanting for years. Jared invited me into his life. He didn't just hang out with me on Sundays or if everybody was coming up to the church on Wednesdays, but he invited me into his home. He invited me into his life. Jared was a disciple of Jesus, and he was a couple of years ahead of me. So he wasn't perfect, but he was more mature in his faith than I was at that point. And he did something that no one else had ever done for me. He invited me into his life, and then he continued to do that with other people as well. And then all of a sudden, Jared just naturally had a small group of young, young adults that he had created. And honestly, he, I talked to him on the phone this week, and he said, you know, I didn't, like, mean to do that, but what I did was I made myself available. And so, you know, for me, I'm like, what did Jared do that was so impactful to my life? Well, Jared was intentional and vulnerable enough to let me into his life to see all of his flaws, to see all of his successes, to see all of these things together. And I remember multiple times where, you know, um, Jared would allow me to see the successes in his marriage and see whenever he's being a really good husband, but he would also let me see whenever he wasn't being a good husband. A lot of times they would fight in front of me and it wasn't in a toxic way. It was in a way for me to see what it looked like to fight fair in a marriage. And that was so beautiful to me. Or or he would let me see whenever he was doing really good with his kids. And then he would also let me see whenever he went and apologized to his kids and repented to them because he had messed up. So he led me into his life. He showed me the ins and outs of what it looked like to be a disciple of Jesus. And that was something I had wanted for so many years. And it impacted me to such a degree. Jared was a disciple who was making and maturing disciples. And so that brings me to the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll also be up on the screens right here. This is the verse known as the Great Commission. 
And if, you're, if you've been at Redemption Church for any amount of time, you're probably somewhat familiar with this verse because we pray this over you every time before we leave. And that's what we do whenever we bless you going out. And, and Jesus, this is after his death, burial, and resurrection. And this is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So you can assume if it's the last thing that he said before he left them, that it must have been really important. That's right. That's right. So let's look at the verse, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples. Jesus says, hey, I have one more thing for you before I go. I want you to go and disciple others the way that I discipled you. And how did Jesus disciple his disciples? He lived life with them. They had day-to-day relationship. Listen, Redemption Church, you were made for multiplication. And we're going to talk about that today. And I see three big ideas in this text right here that we're looking at. I see the why behind what we do. I see the what we are actually called to do. And then I also see the how in the world we are able to do what we were called to do. So the first thing I wanna do is look at the text today and look at the why, or more accurately, accurately, the man behind the why. This is my first point, the man behind the why. I wanna take a moment to sit right here um, because we so clearly have a mission to go and make disciples. We can see that here. But the thing is, it's a lifelong mission. This is something that you will always be doing. And so there's going to be lots of ups and downs because that's just how life goes. And so there's going to be good times and beautiful times, and there's also going to be really hard times. And so it's important that before you go on your life mission, you know your why. And you need to constantly remind yourself of your why. And you also need to have others remind you of your why. That's why it's important to be in a community of believers. Knowing your why gives your what purpose. If you don't know what something, or if you don't know something's purpose, you will likely misuse it. So if you don't know the purpose of the, God's grace in your life, you'll likely misuse it. If you don't know the purpose of people you encounter in your life, you'll likely misuse them. And if you don't know the purpose of Jesus giving you the great commission, you will likely misuse it and devalue it. Verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So who is Jesus? Jesus was a man, but Jesus was also God. This was one of the last statements after the resurrection, as if he even needed this, to prove to everybody that I am God and to validate to others that he is God. Let me ask you something, because a lot of people will say that that Jesus never said he was God. Um, What would you call somebody who has all authority on heaven and earth? God, right? And here's the deal is that our God is so powerful because he's God. Jesus is so powerful. And our God is the most, most powerful, but he's also the most intentional. 
Jesus was a man, but he wasn't just a man. Jesus is eternal. So we should probably listen to his words. It says in the book of John chapter 1, in verse 3, it says that Jesus was there before the beginning of creation. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made, or there was not anything that was made. This means that Jesus was intimately involved in the process of creation itself. Our God is the most powerful, but he's also the most intentional. And because he's the most powerful, the fact that he is the most intentional becomes so much more beautiful. It becomes so much more precious to us. And, and for me, and I know I've heard plenty of other people, a lot of unbelievers, non-believers have said this too, that the story alone of Jesus is the most beautiful story in the history of our world. All throughout time, in all cultures, in all peoples, we see this through line that seems to really get us and move us the most in our stories. And what is it? It's, it's a story of sacrifice and the story of redemption. It's the most beautiful type of story. And why does it move our souls whenever we see sacrifice and redemption? Well, I would argue because it's our story. It's our story. And all the other stories that move us in those ways are just a reflection of mankind's ultimate story, which is your story. Our story is that God created us, and then he created us with an opportunity to choose in on love towards him. But we chose ourselves over him. We turned our back on the one who loved us the most. And instead of leaving us and forsaking us to our own sins like we deserve, he said, no, I will fight for you. He said, I will send my son to save you from your sins. Jesus steps down from heaven to be like us and be with us. He lives in perfection and never sins against anyone. He's the only one who doesn't deserve what's coming to him. And then he saves us from our sins. And how does he do that? He takes all of our sins and puts them on himself. The one who didn't deserve it, put it on himself. And he took all of them on himself and became the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be made alive in him. And every day that we live in him, he is continually redeeming us. And one day Jesus is going to come back and bring redemption to all of creation. This is all in your Bible. He's going to bring redemption to all of creation, not just our souls. I mean, how beautiful is that story of redemption and sacrifice how could you not just love and adore a God who would do that for you? Our story is that God, the God of all creation, sent his son to save us from being imprisoned in our own self so that we could know who he is. I mean, you can read the redemption story for the rest of your life in the Bible, and it'll be like a diamond where no matter how you view it from different angles, there's always going to be another level of beauty that you're going to find for the rest of your life. The idea that our Father in heaven was thinking about you, you as an individual. I wish I could point at every single one of you and say this to you. He was thinking about you whenever he sent his son to die for you. And then his son, Jesus, 
when he was dying on the cross, gasping for air, bleeding out, he was thinking about you. And the Father heart of God is always calling out to his people and he's saying, come home, come home, come home, come home. We're talking about the creator of everything. He's the most powerful. But yet, somehow he's focused on you. Our God is the most powerful, but he's also the most intentional. And, you know, I was thinking about experiences that I've had with God throughout my life. And sometimes I've had, like, very strong, significant, big um, experiences with God. And then other times it's been smaller, little ones. And for me, the most powerful, the most powerful experiences that I've had with God are so simple. It's whenever God shows up and he says, hey, I'm God. Whenever God shows up to you and he says, hey, I'm God, something happens in you. All of your stresses, all of your fears, all of, the, all of the anxieties, all of the pressures that are in your life, all of the relationships in your life, in those moments, they go away. Because all of a sudden, you see something that you couldn't see before. You see something bigger than anything else you've ever experienced. You've seen something more beautiful than everything else that you've experienced for him to say, hey, I'm God. And I think that's why we see in the Old Testament in uh, different situations like Isaiah being, um, having a vision and being in front of God. And God says, I am. I am. And then same thing with Moses in the burning bush. He says, I am. It's like, that's kind of strange, right? But then whenever God <laughs> is in front of you and he says, I am, you're like, you are. <laughs> you're like, yes, yes, you are God. And it, you know, it made me think about, as I was like thinking about my experiences with God, it made me think about my trip to Montana. And so I wanted to show a couple <clears throat> of pictures um, from Montana. Not that one. No, that's JC. That's our production man. Oh, not Trevor either. That's our campus director. Was that in slow motion? That guy looks really happy to be there. Keep going. There we go. Okay. This is a picture that JC took in Montana. This was on one of the trails that we were on. That's a moose. That's a real moose. They are huge. <laughs> but whatever, I'm looking at this picture, right? I'm looking at these pictures. It's so beautiful. It almost doesn't make sense, right? Like, it's easy for you to just, like, look over it. And it's hard for me to show you this picture and say, hey, this is what I saw in Montana. But I can't really depict the whole experience to you. All you can do is see what I'm showing you right here, right? And it's the same way with whenever we're, like, preaching about God and whenever we're, we're, we're talking to you about God, like, whatever it is, it's like this picture. It's not really it. So you need to experience God for yourself because he is your why to why you do everything that you do for his glory. And I remember being on this trail and like looking <clears throat> at this, you know, like I'm on the trail and then like looking and I'm seeing this. And it's just this moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever laying my eyes on. I can't even take it all in. It's so beautiful. 
And then I would catch myself doing that for like a minute or two and then turning and not really thinking about anything and just looking at the trail in front of me, going back and forth. And then I would be thinking about how crazy this thing right next to me is without looking at it. And I would have these like little memories of that experience I just had. And I feel like the same thing happens with us with God, that he has these moments where he says, hey, I'm God. And maybe that happened for you the first time that you were saved. And maybe you've experienced other things, other times like that, where it just blows you out of the water. And then you're like, okay, all right, he's God. He's God. I'm going to start making disciples. I'm going to start loving my family better. I'm going to start doing these things. And then he'll throw little miracles in. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. He's God. And then it kind of gets dull. And then you have another moment where he's like, hey, I'm God. And you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, and it's so beautiful. This is, this is the God who we're talking about. He's so powerful. By the way, I mean, he, he made these mountains. He made everything you see on this picture. And you can't even really take it all in until you see it for yourself. And that was like no problem. And that's just a little speck to him on what he's done. So our God that we serve is the most powerful. We forget who we serve. We forget who God is and how powerful he is, but also how intimately beautiful he is as well. So this is the God that we serve. And whenever you experience Jesus in all of that power, but then also concentrated on you, and then he says, go and make disciples. You just got to go and make disciples. You just have to go do it. But we forget our why. Why are you not making a disciple? I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Why are you not going and making disciples? Because you forgot your why. And so we need to be reminded of that. And this is why we live our life on mission. Because of who God is and what he has done for you. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking in and towards your purpose. Jesus is the man behind our why. And now I want to talk to you about what we were called to do and how your mission is, is and leads to your purpose in life. The mission leads to your purpose. That's point two. Verse 19 says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He says, go why? Therefore, this is a pro-Bible tip if you're reading your Bible, and you see therefore, you need to ask this question. What is the therefore, therefore? If you do that, then you just go look right above whatever you're reading in that moment. Just stop and go look. And we see that right here. So Jesus says, go. Why? Verse 18, right above. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He reminds you that he is God. And because I am God, go and make disciples. So Jesus tells us why, and then he tells us what to do. And what does he tell us to do? He says, go make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. Invite people in on Jesus. But then he also tells us to go and mature those disciples. Teach those who choose to be disciples of Jesus, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And it's important that we mature disciples. Why? Because mature disciples make disciples. And then they mature the disciples. 
our minds shift whenever our mind is on Jesus. Everything you've done in your life before Jesus was fueled by you searching for your purpose. Well, once you make a decision to follow Jesus, your purpose is really clear. Your purpose is to glorify God in everything that you do. Your purpose isn't for you anymore. Your purpose is for God's purpose. Because you were your own God before you met the real God. So don't try to find your purpose. You fulfill God's purpose, and you will find your purpose. It leads to your purpose. The mission leads to your purpose. And if you want to serve God's purpose, then start by serving God's people. And this is where small groups are a great place to start. Small groups have two main functions. They, they, you, we have small groups so that you can be discipled and then also to give room for you to disciple others, for you to mature other disciples. This helps because you are on a mission to go and make disciples, and you need to be prepared for the mission. Jesus gives us a mission, and then we see in the first church, in the book of Acts, how they respond to this and how they take action. Well, what do they do? They have large church gatherings, and then they meet home to home. For us, that looks like church on Sunday, where you're at right now, and then us also doing small groups. And it's a very simple thing, but it has worked for 2,000 years. And people's lives have been changed all over the world because of this. Small groups can play a huge role in preparing you for the mission and at the same time play a huge role in the actual mission itself. That's what I love about small groups because it's disciples making disciples. Small groups are not, only, not the only way to be missional, but they are a very important way. So God has given you gifts inside of you, and he's given you desires and, and ideas and visions. And so you can make disciples in everything that you do. But what I'm saying is small groups is a very important way for the local church to do this, and it's important for you to be a part of that. Small groups are a training grounds and a battlegrounds for what you were made for, and you were made for multiplication. For some of you, you desperately need this training. You need these training grounds to prepare you for the mission because you have no idea what's going on. You just know that you love Jesus, and that's okay. But if you try to wing it, if you try to wing this whole discipleship thing, then you're going to miss out on a lot of what God has for you. But for some of you, you need to start treating small groups like your battlegrounds. You've been preparing too long. Because if you prepare too long, you might not ever execute the mission. And if you do execute the mission, it might be really late. So it's time for you to step up and treat small groups like your battlegrounds where you are the one who is maturing other disciples. And this is where a lot of Christians get messed up. They get stuck on consuming Jesus without multiplying Jesus. Anybody feel convicted? <laughs> they say, oh my gosh, Jesus is so wonderful. God is so amazing. And that's kind of like it for them. They read their Bible sometimes. Every once in a while, they'll do a morning devotional. They make sure to put it on Instagram so everybody knows they're a great Christian. But then that's the end of their mission, before their mission ever really got started. And that's so common today. They decided to follow Jesus 
but then never actually did what he said to do. I mean, Pastor Byron says all the time, 95% of all Christians will never lead one person to Jesus. That's sad. That's sad to me whenever he says that. Because for me, that's 95% of Christians that don't understand what it means to follow Jesus because he calls us to multiply. I mean, not that you have to make disciples in order to be saved because you're saved by grace, right? This is for my Bible thumpers. Because you're saved by grace, not by your own works. But at the same time, if <laughs> that's right, if you've experienced the grace of God and you've been saved, then you got work to do. And I don't want Redemption Church to be full of people who make up that 95 percentile of Christians that don't ever do that. That's why we're always looking for our one, right? We got Baptism Sunday coming up here shortly, and we're always looking for our one, and, and, and we want you to have your one person that you get to baptize yourself in the waters because we were called to make disciples, and we were also called to mature them. We were made for so much more than just a daily devotional, which these things are good, a daily devotional, reading your Bible every once in a while, putting a bumper sticker on your car that's a cross or an R or a fish. Like, we, we were made for so much more. Don't let your mission stop there. So go and make disciples of all nations. And I really want everything that we've talked about over the last three weeks to go from your head to your heart today. I want you to walk out of these doors with a, a strong sense of mission and meaning, which leads me to my third point. The multiplication has meaning. Verse 20 says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because he is with us always, we can always be on mission to multiply. And there are real implications for a Christian that takes what Jesus said seriously and seriously goes on mission. Whenever we say we want to see people experience life change through Jesus at Redemption Church, we mean that. And we don't just mean that as a mantra. We mean that because we're thinking about your face. We're thinking about the faces that aren't here yet. So I'm saying grab a hold of that vision with us because there are people that need to meet Jesus. So go and make disciples and mature them. I mean, the reason I'm standing here today on the stage talking to you is because other men and women have went before me and they took seriously what Jesus said whenever he said go. And that's the only reason I'm here, that in God's grace. They took the great commission seriously and they understood that Jesus meant it whenever he said, I am with you always. So you can always be on mission. And as I was preparing for this series, um, I went back and grabbed this book. It's Multiply, Disciples Making Disciples by Francis Chan. Highly recommend it. Um, actually, Jared, who I was talking about earlier, um, who invested in me, we went through this book together. And we went through many books together. And, and I remember this book, and I remember how much it affected me. And as we were talking about what I might preach about, I was like, let me go, let me go find this book. And so I went and grabbed this book, and I had to text Trevor and Pastor Byron because as I was going through this book, I found this card in there. And if you can't see, it is just an R. And on the back, it says, Redemption Church, coming soon. 
And I just thought to myself, like, that was so full circle of God to have me preach in my first sermon series. And then also using two things to remind me of people who have invested in me. Right? So Jared spent several years with me. And then Jared moved off to North Carolina. And that's when I went, I, I met Pastor Byron. I knew him, but that's whenever we met up. And I remember him giving me this card. And uh, I didn't go to this church whenever I got this. How weird is that? And like right now I'm talking to you. This church didn't exist. It said coming soon. Go and make disciples. Invite people to Jesus. Invite people to church. But then also be like Jared and like Pastor Byron's been since then. And invest in people and invite them into your life. Because they have real faces. There are people like me whenever I was 17 that just desperately wanted someone to reach out to me and show me what it looked like to follow Jesus. So I want this to go from your head to your heart today. God is most evident in relationships. And if you're not intentional in your relationships, you will never see the fullness of God in your life. It's so serious. Why is it serious? Because it's the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples. So I want to challenge you today to step up and go and make disciples. Invite people to know Jesus. For some of you, it's time for you to step up your invite game. You might not know a whole lot about the Bible. You might not know a whole lot about Jesus, but you know that Jesus has changed your life. And whenever you go tell people, Jesus has changed my life. And I want you to experience this. You can experience this too. Come with me to church. Come with me to my, well, yeah, I'm going to get there in a second. But come with me to my small group. You know, like you can experience this too. Come with me to my church. Invite people to church. And this is what I was going to say. I don't want to get ahead of myself. That you can invite people to the small group that you're a part of. As long as you talk to your small group leader and y'all talk about it beforehand, you can invite people that would never come with you to a Sunday church service, right? I've done that before because it's super high stakes. Remember the first time you came to the church? It's like, oh my gosh, like this is freaky. Or maybe they had a bad experience whenever they were younger at a church or whatever it might be. It takes the high stakes off of things because whenever you invite them to small group, you just say, hey, we have food. You can hang out with our friends. We got a bunch of really cool friends that I want you to meet. They're so nice. <laughs> they're so nice. And did I mention that there's free food? You don't even have to tell them it's small group. <laughs> Just say, hey, come hang out with me and my friends, right? So some of us need to step up our invite game and make disciples. Some of us need to step up and mature disciples. How desperate are you to see God move in the people around you? You've been a disciple for a while. Step it up. Grab some of these young disciples that don't have direction and show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. You do not have to be perfect. The fear of needing to be perfect will keep you from inviting people into your life. It will keep you from your mission, from your calling to go and make disciples and mature them. So I'm saying don't. Let that be the case for you. 
For some of you, it's time for you to step up and invite your family and your friends and your coworkers and strangers. And for some of you, it's time to step up by getting on the serve team. For some of you, it's time for you to step up by starting to give. Because whenever you start giving to something, your heart goes with it. For some of you, it's time for you to sign up for a small group. What you been waiting for? We got a small group sign up wall right outside. This is small group Sunday. It's all been leading up to this. I made it as easy as possible. We got, if you got a, if you got a um, camera phone, you can just scan the QR code out there, pick your group, doo -doo -doo, you're in. That's how easy it is. And then I'll be there to help you out if you don't have one. Like, I just want to make this as easy as possible, but maybe it's time for you to actually step into what you were created for, which was community, so that you can be discipled, so that you can go and make disciples and mature disciples. And maybe for some of you, it's time for you to step up and be a host for a small group. A host is someone who just has a home, a place where people can meet. Maybe you're not ready to lead a group. That's totally fine. I mean, Cruz and Morgan, shout out to y'all. They're going to be hosting for my small group. I'm going to be over at their house. They're like, hey, we want to end up being leaders at some point, but can you train us up? And then for me, I'm like, I would love to do that. And I know that you guys want to host because God is telling you, hey, we, we got more people coming to our church. We have a new building on the way. So we need, we need more small groups. We need more small group leaders. And we also need people who are willing to host a small group. It's where you say, hey, yeah, you can lead over at my house. Maybe it's time for you to do that. Maybe for some of you, it's time for you to step up and be a small group leader. You've been a small group for a long time. So what that would look like is when you're in your small group this season, you just start talking to your small group leader. Let them know where you're at. Y'all start having conversations. See if you can take reps at facilitating conversations for the night or whatever it may be. But for most of you, you just need to make yourself available to young disciples. And I don't mean young in the sense of young in age. I mean, we have so many new believers in here that have only known Jesus for six months, a year, two years. They're still young in their faith. And they just need you to make yourself available and to be intentional and vulnerable and invite them into your life. Take someone out to dinner. Take someone out for coffee. Bring them over to your house. Cook for them. Like, whatever it is, what are you willing to do to see God move in people's lives? And so now you might be thinking, okay, Ethan, I, I know why we're supposed to be on mission. And you talked about what the mission is. And you also talked about how... I'm supposed to go about doing the mission, and that's because we have God with us. The last question would be is, how long do I need to be on this mission? Well, it says it right here in verse 18, 20. In Matthew, it says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Has the age ended? Is the world over? Not yet. It might be close, but not yet. Jesus hasn't come back. And so if Jesus, Jesus hasn't come back, then stay on mission. Keep going. There's more work to be done. I'm telling y'all, whenever we get this new building last time, whenever we got into this building, we doubled in size. We need people to be built up into strong disciples of Jesus that can grow other young disciples of Jesus. Because I don't want to get into the new building and have a bunch of people who have no idea what they're doing. So I would say get in a small group. Step up in one of these ways. I wrote that on your, 
on your notes if you're taking notes for you to have a personal challenge. Write it down. If any of these things stood out to you, hopefully it was small groups at least. But I want you guys to experience what God has for you. And don't stop going and making disciples and maturing disciples until Jesus comes back. And I'll close with this. Jesus gave us delegated authority from him for our mission. A mission to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, maturing them, teaching them and maturing them to observe all that he has commanded of us. Redemption Church exists to see a gospel center movement in the heart of the city where every man, woman, and child can experience life change through Jesus. How do we see a gospel-centered movement? We partner with the grace of God, and we be the gospel-centered movement. How do you be a gospel-centered movement? You're, you are disciples that make disciples. You're disciples that make disciples and mature disciples. You were made for multiplication. There is purpose to be found in that. And if I didn't have men like Jared in my life or Pastor Byron or other men like my dad, if I didn't have people like that in my life, I don't know where I would be today. I know I wouldn't be standing up here in front of you telling you about Jesus and what he's called us to do. And you, I want you to be empowered by this. You can be someone's Jared. You can be someone's Jared. I would not be the man that I am today if Jared had not taken me in and developed me and allowed me to see what it looked like to walk through life with Jesus. You can be someone's Jared. So go. Go and make disciples. You can be the one who shows people what it looks like to live and follow Jesus. You were made for multiplication. You were made for this. You were made for this. You were made for this. Now, now, thank you, Pastor Byron. Now go and make disciples and go do what you were made to do in Jesus' name.